deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors. And I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors. And you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. You don't need permission to get started or to be successful. I think we're all just waiting for some type of metric, some type of event, some word of advice or confirmation. You got to get going, get moving. Take the first step and figure out the next step after that. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Ash. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow. He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Robert Preston. Robert is joining us from Pensacola, Florida. He's a co-founder of Climb Capital, an investment firm with commercial real estate operators that specialize in RV parks. Their current portfolio their GP on 809 units with 45 million in assets under management. Robert, can you start off with giving us a little more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Hey, thanks, Slocum. And I'm really honored to be on the podcast. I uh, follow you guys a lot and you know read all the books. And so really cool to be nice. on here today. So my background, relatively simple. Graduate Clemson University, went into the Marine Corps as a uh, Marine Corps pilot, flew the Osprey. The B-22, did a couple of deployments to Afghanistan. And then through that process was when I started into real estate, really 2012, finished out my Marine Corps career in 2020. Great time to leave a full-time paying job to be a full-time real estate investor the summer of 2020. And since started and founded Climb Capital with Jeremy Hands, and here we are today. 
So does that mean, Robert, that the $45 million in assets under management has all been acquired in the last two years since the summer of 2020, or did you start before that? No, we started well before that. So as an individual, I started investing in real estate really 2012. Started out as a wholesaler, wholesaling to flipping single family houses and then needed the residual cash flow income, bought our first mobile home park then bought an office building and started buying the class C apartment complexes in ground. However, I would say that 45 million owner asset is probably all properties we purchased in the last two years because we've also sold most of those deals that we bought in the beginning. Gotcha. So you have experience in a lot of commercial niches, but currently your focus is RV parks. Tell us about that. Why RV parks? Great question. Like most of us, I started out class C apartment, right? Looking for the value add class C. I need something full-time management, just buy the book. And we did that and we've been very successful through it, but I think everyone would agree that it's getting really, really difficult to find a great deal. I used to think an expensive deal was like a seven cap and I'm sure we would all yeah. just buy, buy that in cash, hard money day one, if we could find a seven cap. And so our strategy and thesis has always been revolved around the idea of cash flow first and not the phantom or market appreciation to make our returns. We're okay with forced appreciation. I'm not really okay with betting on market appreciation. So as the competitors and the competition came in and the prices increased, Thus, the returns have decreased, and so we moved to mobile home parks, and now we're seeing that similar trickle effect coming down, and we bought our first RV park in uh, also 2020, and uh, since then, just have really saw a great opportunity there, both from the buy side and the sell side, and then excellent cash flow. So basically, just out of necessity, getting pushed out, searching for returns has pushed us down to the RV park. I'm also an RVer. I got four little kids. I love the lifestyle. It's a lot nicer to buy somewhere you would go on vacation than sure. your classy apartment complex that I'm not going to go on vacation to. So that's a little bit of a lifestyle as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me try to summarize. Robert, please correct me uh, sure. anywhere I need to be corrected. Active duty Marine Corps deployed a couple of times, started wholesaling and flipping while active duty. In order to make money on the side, you decided you wanted it to be more residual income based yep. and found classy value add apartments to get great cash flow. As you have seen cash flow and cap rates compress, you've moved into a new niche. A lot of people went from apartments to mobile home parks. As you've seen, and as you just said, now cash flow and cap rates are compressing within mobile home parks. So you've moved on to RV parks. Added bonus, you're an RVer and you're buying properties that interest you personally and in places where you want to take your family. So let me ask, Robert, when was it that you decided with your partners that it was time to shift industries within commercial real estate? Did you have specific target metrics that you just realized you were never going to be able to hit? So as soon as all of the deals fell below a certain cap rate, a certain cash on cash, you just decided to move on? Was it more of a gut thing? When was it that you made those decisions? That's a really great question. I'll try to answer it because I think there's a couple of components there. First, I'm a bit of a deal junkie. So whatever I think I can make money on is what I'm going to do. Part of being a naval aviator is that we are very thorough in our planning and we're very precise in our planning, but we also realize generally about five minutes into the flight, everything we did and worked on for the last 
three months worth of planning is just out the window and you've got to improvise and make it work. So being adaptive and, and flexible is one of our core values to what we do. So through this process, I just randomly came across our first RV park. It was a per acre, per pad, whatever. It was just extremely cheap. And I looked at it and I was like, we don't know anything about RV parks, but it's got great financials, just like anything else. We're going to make a, whatever it is, 30% IRR return on this. Like, let's wow. just figure it out. So by dumb luck, a little bit of falling into that first one in 2020, our metrics for our investors are an 8% cash on cash and a 15% IRR at a minimum. And I think that's kind of the, the generic target standard. So for us, that pivotal moment really was the end of 2021 when we would get outbid by millions of dollars on apartment complexes. I know the numbers. I know there was no way they're going to meet that metrics. And then I started seeing the other sponsors sending out stuff that was 11%, 12% IRRs on a best case six cap exit plan with uh, very low expense ratios. And I was like, no offense, but there's no way that's going to work perfectly. Your plan, if it was executed perfectly, you would make that. And even if you did so, that's a 12% IRR is just not sufficient. And so that's when we realized we we're always going to get outbid by someone who is willing to reduce their underwriting to make the deal work and lower the returns. And so really at the end of 2021, we'd already bought three RV parks and we're operating them. So now we made a hard shift instead of just letting them come to us piecemeal. Now we're targeting direct to the owners and really pushing hard this year. So you went from apartments to RV parks by way of mobile home parks, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you've, you've made this transition twice now. Yeah. Two pivots in the RV park is a little bit of a natural progression into the RV parks because some of the lower quality RV parks are really a mixture between a mobile home park and an RV park, right? And so there'll be some mobile homes in there and then there'll be some long-term tenants living in an RV park. So that was our first exposure. It was really a glorified mobile home park with RVs in it. And now we buy more of the resort type vacation. You're by the night rental. That's my understanding, limited experience with RV parks, of course. But my understanding is that there are really two business models within RV parks, similar to apartments in this way. You have long-term tenants and you have short-term guests. Yep. So the people who park their RV there year-round and the people who come in for the weekend or the week or a couple of weeks, are you saying that you focus primarily on the shorter stay resort location type of deals? Yes. Originally, the first couple we bought were purely long-term by necessity living. There's also two types of long-term RVers. There's the individual or family that is living there out of necessity because of their inability to afford some other type of housing. Or there's a long-term RVer who is, by their profession, dictates movement. Traveling nurses, construction managers, even certain engineers working on big projects. They're highly paid and well compensated and great residents. And they're just out of necessity going to be gone for six months or eight months from their residence. And so they live in... Gotcha. in so to answer your question, currently, we like parks that have that ladder. So the professional worker, and then also we have the retail. So for us, the ideal mixture of a park is we bring in tiny homes at about 10% of the pads. We rent about 50 to 60% of the pads on the monthly rate to the traveling professional. And then that leaves 40 to 30%, depending on that ratio to 
the retail overnight vacationer traveling person, which is awesome for us because it's just a couple levers we can tweak and pull based off the season, based off the demand of the area to always kind of optimize the cash flow and in a life. You mentioned 10% for tiny homes. Now, are you talking about tiny homes on wheels or are you talking about the thing that people are constructing from the ground up in a location? You would also refer to them as park model homes. So they're on wheels, on a frame. They look like a little log cabin, front porch, very cutesy, a lot of exposed wood, lofts, that type of stuff. But you can hitch it to your truck with a tow package and take it somewhere. Technically, yes. A very big truck. Yes. Yes. Not your normal truck, but technically, yes. They're still titled as an RV, which helps us to eliminate a lot of zoning setup criteria. So we can pull it right into a lot, plug it in essentially, and be ready to go. Gotcha. Robert, I would like to play devil's advocate. Sure. You're clearly experiencing some success. Actually, before I do that, you are syndicating some of these RV deals, yes? Correct. Have you gone full cycle with an RV deal yet? Yep. So we sold one. We're recording this March timeframe. We sold one a month ago in February. It was a relatively small deal that we bought for... 575000 and we just sold it for $1.2 million two years later. Gotcha. How much did you have to put into it after you bought it? Nothing. No capex. Yeah. So. so I imagine you offered a pretty juicy return then to your so, investors. What did that look like? They made, it was a three multiple on their money. So per year, it was close to 76% IRR. It's sort of a ridiculous number. Yeah, that's awesome. How long was the hold period on that? Right at two years, exactly two years. Two years. Okay. Awesome. And on the deals that you have most recently closed that have not gone full cycle, what kind of return are you projecting for your investors? On an IRR perspective, low 20s. And then the syndication we just closed had a 10% pref on it and still will come out to be low 20s, mid 20s IRR. Gotcha. Now that I've given you the opportunity to talk about how much better your returns are than apartment investors, I'm going to attempt to knock you down and I want you to have the opportunity to respond. Let's do it. Um, Good. Because I'm an apartment investor because that's what got me into real estate. I just haven't gotten to the point in my career yet where I've chosen some other asset class. But thinking from the perspective of apartment investors or from the perspective of LPs, who hear what we're saying right now and maybe thinking something along these lines. Here we go. Robert, the reason to stick with apartments instead of going to mobile homes and then going to RV parks is that, first of all, the apartment industry is massive. Mm -hmm. It's also much less impacted by major fluctuations in our economy. We're building a lot more new apartments than we are mobile home parks and RV parks. So yes, returns compress. A lot of people get into the mobile home park space. Inventory is limited, if not capped, when it comes to mobile home parks in a way that it is not with apartments. It is similarly limited or capped and probably smaller for RV parks, the industry as a whole, than it is for mobile home parks. I would also imagine, and I'll I'll confess, I don't have the numbers on this, but my gut tells me, Robert, that an RV park is going to fluctuate a lot more with the market cycle and what is happening in our economy 
than apartments. So not only is the apartment industry much larger, it's less impacted by where we are in the market cycle. It has opportunity for growth. There will be more apartments this time next year than there are this year, unlike mobile home parks and RV parks. And some people will be willing to take a lesser return for the type of certainty that apartment deals provide. Robert, what do you have to say about all that? Dude, that's like a lot of questions. How, which part do you want me to answer? Okay. Let's, we've got some time to dissect all right. all of this. All right. So now we've got some meat for this podcast. Yes. Let's break it down, right? You, you mentioned the supply chain for apartments. We're going to build more apartments. They're coming online. And first and foremost, we still buy apartments. We still buy our mobile home parks and we still buy office buildings. So I'm going to throw that out there. We still do those deals. But to your point, though, to me, that would be an advantage of the RV park side. So as you pointed out, most municipalities, most counties, cities, et cetera, RV parks, they're okay with come and go. But mobile home parks, certainly you're going to have a struggle to build a new one and develop it out. So limited supply generally would associate to a higher price. The demand is either going to stay constant or increase a little bit. So supply-wise, I think that's a good thing. They're less likely to be built out. When we talk about the demand from a housing perspective, why do we all like Class C apartments, hypothetically, right? Because there's always going to be a need. The necessity of life for someone to live, you need food, shelter, and housing. You don't have to have great housing. You doesn't have to be Class A housing, but you have to have a place to live. And so that's why we all started out in the Class C apartment avenue. So I would argue that that same applies particularly to mobile home parks, not so much to RV parks if you think about the RV park on the surface. However, going back to that first RV park that we bought, which was essentially 36 people living in an RV out of necessity because that was the cheapest way that they could find housing. So my worst case scenario for a lot of these RV resorts is that if the economy were to change or impact, I'm still insulated in the fact that I can convert that RV resort to a glorified mobile home park overnight by just adjusting my marketing, adjusting my criteria, my restrictions to allow anyone to come in there with whatever type of RV and live there instead of on vacation. And the reality is I'm getting the same rent as most people are getting for an apartment complex per square foot. And I have no expenses. I have no toilets. I have no structures, roofs, et cetera. I've got electrical outlet. I've got a water spigot and I've got a hole for stuff to go out. So presently, we've got a great economy. People are traveling. We're going to do the retail vacation model. If that were to adjust, well, people are going to get pushed out and we would be one of the cheaper places for people to live. So I think we'll still have plenty of demand there. We've seen that in the past. And then I'm pretty certain there's a big change in culture, particularly when it comes to recreation and travel. So you've probably flown recently. I've flown recently. It's just not a pleasant experience. It just isn't anymore. So the idea of traveling overseas and going through that harassment, for lack of better words, it's not as exciting anymore. 2020 taught us a lot of things. And that was, it's okay to work from home. It's okay to travel. It's okay to work on the road. You and I are doing this via Zoom. I've got three employees that work remotely. So the idea of work travel and working from the Rocky Mountains on your laptop, why not? From the RV park instead of wherever you came from. So more people are working out of the office and 
people are enjoying outside more, more space from a safety perspective. So the industry of RV sharing is a whole, whole entire industry really popped up in the last three to five years with basically Uber for RVs where you don't have to own the RV anymore or the travel trailer to go on vacation and go camping. You can rent it off your neighbor for lack of better words. So that's a whole new supply of customers that have never existed before in history. And then you just look at the RV sales by unit. It's just astronomical over the last three years. And so there's a ton of in the inventory there from a customer perspective. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at passiveinvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Robert, that was great. Thank you. A few things from that. Um, I should have thought of this before, but it makes so much sense to track RV sales as a metric for RV park investing. Do you have some numbers behind that increase since COVID? To your point, we've seen a change in lifestyle the last couple of years. Again, recording in March of 2022. I want to respond and give an apartments argument, but I will concede that the idea of flying to a destination being the only way that people go on vacation is done. The world doesn't operate that way anymore. My question was, do you have the metrics on the increase in RV sales since COVID? I do, but not intelligently enough to speak here in public. So one of the metrics would be, I think, Jayco, which is one of the leading mid-grade $20,000 to $50,000 travel trailer. And now you mid, probably lower mid-grade, right? So they're back-ordered $14 billion in back-orders right now. So they will not produce a unit that has not already been accounted for for the next three years. So that's one metric percentage growth wise. I think last year was like at a 40% growth for the year. That was a one-time uptick, but I think if I remember the metric, don't quote me on this. So between 2010 and 2020, so for the decade was around 11% growth rate RV users. Okay. And that's correlated to what we've seen is about a 12% 
price increase per year over the last three or four years. So, so here's another thing that's really cool about what we do. All right. So you've got your apartment complex. It's a thousand dollars a month rent, right? So you can raise it $25, $50, probably not get a whole lot of pushback. But if you think about that percentage wise, that's 0.25%. So we bought a park in December and the nightly rate was $37 a night. And the next day I changed the rate to $45 a night. So to the customer, that was $8 to them per night. No one cares. But if you think about that from a percentage perspective, how that extrapolates over the year, basically increase the rent by about 25% overnight. And your customer doesn't care. They're happy. I'm happy. It's great. No tenant in an apartment building is happy about a 25% rent increase for sure. No. Points to RV parks. You were talking about your model of breaking down the way that you rent your spaces in your RV parks into three different market segments. When you are projecting the returns for your deals, the returns that you share with investors, for example, are you basing those returns on divided into three pieces model or are you basing them on the conservative have to turn this into kind of a lower income housing type situation? That's a good question. So we underwrite it. I think we're still conservative because here's why. So realistically with our monthly rentals, we're using around a 75% occupancy rate for the year. The reality is most of the time we're in the nineties, just like an apartment complex would on the long term. For the cabin rentals, the tiny homes, again, we're using something we would pull from like AirDNA or VRBO, Airbnb, similar comp occupancy is usually running 40 to 50%. And then same on the nightly rates, we would for the year probably use an occupancy of around 40 to 50% for those. So we're using different rates and different occupancies for each category. Again, most of the time we've got parks in Florida. They're just full all the time, no matter what they just are. So even though we're underwriting a, maybe a 50% occupancy on our overnight stuff, the reality is we're running about 85% even wow. on nightly rates. So we tend to err unconservative. Everyone says that. I really think that we are. Exit cap rates we're using. Most of the time we're still using nine cap on the exit, which I've already seen that decompress a significant amount since we started in RV parks, but that's how we're coming up with our returns. Gotcha. One last piece to the argument. Thinking specifically about prime locations for RV parks versus apartments. We do in apartments have something similar and you kind of touched on it. We can go short term or we can go medium term. It's a different business model. It does jack up returns and jack up gross revenue, net cash flow. It becomes a different industry. You you put yourself in hospitality instead of landlording, but we can do that in apartments too. If you're in the right location and if you're willing to stomach the change in business model from long-term rental to hospitality. If I can summarize this argument, I do think it's clear, Robert, that the return that you were able to deliver when you went full cycle in your first RV park and the returns that you're projecting for your deals are higher than the returns that are being projected for the vast majority of apartment syndications, whether or not there is more risk in other asset classes than apartments 
is up to our listeners to decide for themselves and their own investing strategies. Sure. One final comment. I don't really want to convince you. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, totally. This is a good point, Robert. There should be people on both sides of this argument. And frankly, hearing the returns that you're getting, that's part of the reason that I knew we could have the argument in the first place is because I knew that there should be people who decide going both ways for themselves. This isn't necessarily about convincing anyone how they should be investing. It's more about, well, first of all, having fun. We do a lot of these interviews. It's not often that I get to go at somebody like this, but I, also- I'm okay with not having a lot of competition. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I like yeah, that totally. <laughs> I get that. As of today, over 30 of my episodes with Best Ever have aired, and I've only spoken with one other person who's in RV parks and they're not doing it full time. It was just their first foray that yep. they closed on a couple of months ago. And they were excited, citing some of the similar things that you are now about their first RV deal. So yes, I understand. Not trying to create any more competition for you, but this has been great. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. Great. What is the best ever book you've recently read? One of the ones I love is Pitch Anything, Orrin Claff. Pitch Anything. Yep. Orrin Claff, Pitch Anything. What is your best ever way to give back? I thought about this and I want to be careful how I say it because I don't really see it as giving back, but me and my wife are foster parents and adoptive parents and just seeing the difference in a little kid or even a baby coming from a very traumatic and then being in a good household. And this is not trying to brag on myself or the family, but just seeing how a kid can flourish so quickly and recover so quickly when they're just loved and cared for. So yeah, that's my passion. That's awesome. What is... Robert, your best ever advice? It's pretty simple. You don't need permission to get started or to be successful. I think we're all just waiting for some type of metric, some type of event, some word of advice or confirmation. You got to get going, get moving, take the first step and figure out the next step after that. That's great. And Robert, where can our best ever listeners get in touch with you? Our website is climbcapital.com, C-L-I-M-B capital.com. Info at Climb Capital would be an email and my cell phone is 850-712-5139. Awesome. Well, Robert, thank you for sharing with us your investment journey, your path from asset class to asset class, as you have been chasing the high returns that you shared with us. And thank you for engaging in some debate with me about various asset classes. I do believe we've given some value to our best ever listeners here. Best ever listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you agree with me. If you found value in this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast. Please leave us a five-star review and please share this with a friend who you think will also enjoy and gain value from this conversation here with Robert Preston. Thank you and have a best ever day.